What's up, y'all? Kevin Kuhn here, Athlete Factors. This is the Athlete Factors podcast, and I'm here with a very special guest, Jessica Teal. What's up? How's it going? <laughs> yeah, you're a special guest because you're my cousin. Yay. <laughs> Family. Family, that's right. <laughs> that's right. You could say... You could say the running gene is in our family, right? Could you say I would, that? I would say so. I would say so. Yeah. It's in at least two of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we've got to we've got to hold it down for the rest of us. Well, you more so than me. So, <laughs> you are a professional runner currently, specializing in uh, the 800 meters. 800. Perfect. <laughs> yep. That was that was my race in high school. So, I'm glad to see that. Uh, you know, we're repping the metal distances, right? That's right. That's where it's at. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, and kind of the the journey that got you to the point now that you're uh, racing competitively as a professional runner. Yeah. So I grew up um, on an asparagus farm in the middle of Iowa. It's always a good, <laughs> good way to introduce yourself. Um, get some some questions right away. Um, and honestly, I just remember from a pretty young age, just like knowing that, like you know, when you're at recess and you can like beat all the boys in your class, like, and just like the feeling of running. You don't know that feeling. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it was just I've always loved running and. Um, as you were saying, I think once when you guys were visiting us for a while, I think we made my dad like plow the shape of a track. <laughs> like he mowed the lawn like a shape of a track into our side, the side yard of our nice. uh, farmhouse. And we like found an old stick in the woods and was some like, have, have some relays. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, no, no idea what distance that track was. It was like whatever <laughs> my dad decided to. I think it was 400 meters. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think. Uh, I saw my older sister ran track um, and I kind of just knew I loved running and knew I wanted to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I ran in, in junior high um, through high school. I actually ran the 400 hurdles in high school and uh, did decently well, right? Yes. Yep. I, uh, I did. I won the state state championship my senior year, kind of progressed my way up Um and then went on to college, ran at Wheaton College, uh, also did the 400 hurdles. Honestly, college was not not great <laughs> for me athletically. Mm-hmm. I just there was a lot of stress. Um, uh, I think we might talk about this later, but I am a musician as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was in the conservatory of music uh, throughout college, and that was a pretty stressful four years. Um, and didn't it wasn't super conducive to running running well <laughs> either. Yeah. Um, uh, I hit a couple injury bumps there too, and so it just a lot of lost a lot of uh, momentum I think in those years. Um, so honestly, like coming out of college, I didn't have a lot of hope for continuing running at a competitive level. I was just kind of gonna go to grad school, and that was that. Um, so yeah, at that point I moved to Boston for graduate school. I went to New England Conservatory um, to study piano and sort of started running again just for fun. Fun. I just didn't come into it with a lot of expectations. Just kind of mm-hmm. missed it. So I just like kind of run along the Charles here, 
Um, and then I realized that like a lot of people in Boston ran and there were all these like club teams and I was like, Oh, that's cool. Like maybe I should like hurdle. I kind of liked that. That was fun. <laughs> I should get back to it. <laughs> Which is like, you know, what anyone in their mid twenties. Great idea. Yeah. So, um, started running again on for the greater Boston track club for a few years. Um, and actually like ended up like PRing in the 400 hurdles and like, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I still have it. Like, maybe I should, maybe I should keep going with this. So um, that doesn't that, happen to anyone else. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, kind of as grad school ended, and I kind of got my life back. I, uh, I think I just like tried the 800 indoors, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, oh, maybe. I, maybe I should try this. Like, this is even better. Like if you keep going, like it's better. <laughs> and you don't have to jump. Exactly. And you like lose the hurdle. Um, and so, but I kind of was running the 800 off of like 400 meter training, just like kind of like winter 400 meter training. So I had, like a little more strength than I did outdoors maybe, but like not, I wasn't doing 800 workouts. <laughs> um, and just based on that, I was like, okay, I think I should, I should do this. So um, I ended up getting my, uh, PR down to like 208, I think. And then, um, at that point I started training with, uh, Tim Bro, who's, he was an Olympian at the uh, 5,000 meters, um, at the Athens Olympics. And, uh, so I started training with him and he started a, uh, professional club here in Boston, um, the Saucony Freedom Track Club. Um, and so I was around kind of at the beginning as he started that and it's grown into a really cool club. There's, there's six of us now. Um, and yeah, we're training in Boston and, um, yeah, as that happened, I, uh, Saucony offered me a contract, uh, last year to run for them. So that was honestly super unexpected at this point in my life, but (laughs) I no complaints at all. <laughs> Seriously, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well go for it, right? Why why yes. turn that down? Exactly. Like, exactly. It'd be really nice, but uh I'm gonna pass. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> do they do they offer like sponsorships for piano playing or is it just running? It was it was just running. Yeah. The piano gotcha. didn't come into it as much, but yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll maybe you can get like like a nice Yamaha sponsor yeah. if you go after <laughs> right after yeah you know? I'm gonna just like work my way through it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that's pretty interesting. There's not too many people who who I knew of, especially in in college, who could spend the time running. And also spend the time spend the time on an instrument because so much of what they did um, playing an instrument was like as soon as you finished class until you went to bed like you were working on your craft right so yeah. kind of conflicts with uh, any other extracurricular activities so yeah. I don't know if, I don't know of anybody who played an instrument on the cross country track team the entire time I was in yeah college. I was definitely a weird one um, I think. For me, it was never, I couldn't imagine not running. I just, like, loved it so much. And mm-hmm. so I think I just, like, figured out a way to do it. But it wasn't, that was what part of the stress came from, actually, in college, was 
the conservatory was like not super happy with the fact that I was an athlete. And so mm. there was like some, some drama <laughs> that I kind of worked through. And yeah. on, honestly, they just didn't know how to deal with me. Cause they were like, wait, you, you have to go to practice. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, you're going to be gone for a meet. And I was like, this is normal. Every, every other like academic path you could have taken. This is totally normal. <laughs> Trust yeah. me. Yeah. And they just like really didn't know what to do with me. Um, and so I definitely <laughs> sort, of, sort of paved a way. I don't know if anyone else will benefit from that. I hope so. But, but uh, yeah. Blazed a trail. That, yes, definitely blazed a trail. Someone may or may not follow. Exactly. It's not your problem. problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's blazed, though. So. Exactly. Exactly. You did your job. Exactly. I, I think I think I came up in some faculty meetings, you know, things like this. Nice. Real <laughs> problem child. Of, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, real real jocks versus nerds stuff. Right. Band <laughs> geeks versus the jocks. Why yeah. can't I be both? Reminds right. me of high school musical. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I hid it from people on the track team. I didn't tell them what my major <laughs> was because like they, I knew they would just make fun of it. And like one time I remember we were like, I don't know what we were even doing. We were like out on the track doing a workout and like someone was making fun of their roommate because they were in the orchestra and they were like the dorkestra, like they have a concert oh. this week. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> and I was, they were like, just what is your major? I was like, I don't know. undecided (laughs) I change it all the time it's uh, it's really complicated and not music related at all yeah definitely not music related yeah there was I remember there was one girl on our cross country and track team who was uh, a voice major and she was specializing in opera oh (laughs) yeah but she was really cool so that's good that's good because as a pianist I've had a few run-ins with opera singers that have not been my favorite, but you know. <laughs> Are they like prima donnas or? A little bit, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet. Cool. So, yeah, that's just that the whole idea of like, oh, I guess I'll just pick up running again, and then oh, look, I'm better than I ever was. That that whole idea cracked me up. But yeah. Uh, it's so interesting. I had another guy on the podcast not too long ago who, um, he ran at Malone, which was Cedarville's, like that was our biggest rival. And he had a pretty awesome college career, ups and downs, but overall he ran really well. And then he kind of gave it up for a while and then just recently decided to pick it up again and like lost a ton of weight, like almost overnight and is back to running some of the exact same times that he was running in college, like yeah. super competitive. Like he just did a 15, 10, 5k road race. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. And like, he's running, I forgot what his 10k was, but I mean, really close to like his, his PR in the 5k, I think was like low 14s. So he's like a minute off his, his all time PR after yeah. taking like five years off of running altogether. Like it's insane. So it just, you know, we assume that while you're in college, like that's the time you compete. And if you're good enough, you go pro right after that. Yeah. But that's not always the path. So it's super interesting that you're able to do this now. Yeah. You know, most <laughs> I think people, I also, oh, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. Oh, I think I was also, I mean, as I looked back on it, I think I was pretty 
like under trained probably in college. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't think I really, and just like in moving up the distance, I think I hadn't really found what maybe where there was a lot more left to give. So yeah, your and, ideal distance and yes, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Cause yeah, it's, if you can run a strong 400 meter hurdles, like you're probably, you probably have the brute strength and kind of determination and resiliency to put, to put down a solid two lap tango. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's funny. So what other events did you compete in? in college was it just the hurdles or it was mostly just the hurdles I think I might have run like an indoor eight or so that was like always like a thing you kind of did but you sort of like gritted your teeth and just did it and yeah. <laughs> like I was never happy about it yeah like um early on like hey you have yeah, to do this so that you can exactly. run a fast outdoor whatever yeah, yeah. I think yeah. once oh this was funny well actually there's two funny things so I think once I ran like the 60 meter hurdles which like I should just never have done like I hadn't even like I like got up to speed by the time I crossed the line I think I like not I'm not even sure you're still excited uh, my coach came over he's like we're never doing that again <laughs> I was like thank you like yeah I could have told you that beforehand yeah thanks. Um, and then the other one I think it was some like funny me again indoors but they had a the 200 meter hurdles around wow. a flat track that sounds which was true. terrifying but i i did it and i think i broke our, our school record which is great because like no one's ever going to do that again so, <laughs> dumb. <laughs> so i think i've got that one for life maybe those are the best records the ones exactly. That can't be broken. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah there were there were a couple a couple races where um I think my sophomore year, they threw me into the 400 hurdles <laughs> just because they were like, eh. Like, I even I did, did it at our I even did it at our conference meet, yes. and I think I scored a point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same year, I was All-American in the steeplechase. So <laughs> they were just like, hey, Those Kevin. two definitely go together. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like, two miles over hurdles and some water, one lap and some hurdles. Like, no water. Exactly. I'm, I don't think I hurdled. Like, I was going too fast to hurdle because I never practiced that. So, I, like, I'm just jumping, like, <laughs> leaping over these hurdles, bounding over. But it was not not solid technique, but enough to get a point. So That's, that's all you needed. <laughs> my, best, my best day ever for a track meet, okay? I did – I basically had four PRs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. One was because I had never done the hurdles before, the 400 hurdles, and my coach was just like, yeah, sure, let's throw you in, let's give it a try. So, um, but I PR'd, I had a season PR in the 800 in the 4x8, and then I PR'd in the 1500, and then I did the 400 hurdles, and then I hit a season PR in the 4x4. Thanks. It was the best day. And it was like our <laughs> second meet of the year. So it's like, oh, this is the perfect time to throw all these. Really right. But and the weather was awful, cold. It was our home meet and it was always, always cold at our home yeah. meet. We would go to uh, we'd go to Emory in Atlanta for our first outdoor meet. And it was always like 
70 degrees and like amazing. And then our second home meet or our second meet was our home meet back at Cedarville. And it was like 30 degrees, rain, <laughs> sometimes snow, sometimes hail. And there were times where uh, they would have to break a layer of ice on the steeplechase pit. So, yes. they, so. <laughs> so you could jump Thankfully, into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. Thankfully, I didn't ever have to run the steeple at our home meet, which was great because I didn't want to have to deal with that kind of <laughs> oh, so bad. So anyway, enough about me. <laughs> Podcast is about you. So tell us what are some things that you like and some things that you dislike about being a professional athlete? Uh, so honestly, I love it. Um, as I said before, it's, it's like, if you'd have told me 10 years ago, this is what I'd be doing, uh, at age 35 now, <laughs> I probably would have laughed in your face. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it feels almost like I got like a bonus round or something. Like it's, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really having a good time. Nice. Um, and yeah, I think the only, yeah, not, no complaints really. I think, uh, when you start doing something that you've always done kind of for fun and just something you absolutely love when you start doing it as your job, it like, there's some days when you just don't want to do it. Like, especially training in Boston, there's, you know, like those days you're talking about your home meet, like it's like real feel of like. 16 degrees like nasty wind like it might be yeah. raining <laughs> it might be hailing like who knows <laughs> you just really don't feel like it um and you don't really have the option to not do it and so mm -hmm. you just kind of have to suck it up those days but honestly I'd probably do it anyway like <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I think he's sitting at a cubicle exactly and I think I've never had a cubicle job and I yeah I don't have any desire to have one. So. Same. Same. <laughs> yeah. So what's um, yeah, the, I think, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I think one other thing, like when I, I think when I first signed, I was telling one of my friends about it and he was like, wow, like that's like awesome. But like, that's a lot of pressure now. Right. And, <laughs> and it was really funny. Cause I, I was like, Oh gosh, is it pressure? Like I, <laughs> like I had never I thought, thought of that. It. And I think, <laughs> I've never, I've never felt that. Um, so I think part of it's like props to this team and uh, props to Stockany, honestly, for, for how supportive they are. Um, but I think that's what I felt more than anything is like the support, like definitely not the pressure. Like there's the pressure from within always. And a little bit, you know, when you step on the line and you're wearing a uniform and it, you know, has a brand across it, you're like, okay, we got to bring it. We got to bring it today. <laughs> um, but I've really just felt the support and that's been really, really cool to have behind me. So. Awesome. That's awesome. So what, what is it like, uh, what's like a typical training week look like? So tons of people assume that, um, you know, transition from high school training to college training is just, you know, an increase in volume or an increase in mileage or an increase in intensity. And a lot of times, it is that that's the case. And a lot of times that's not the case at all. It just kind of depends. So what's it look like transitioning from collegiate training to professional training? Yeah. So for me, it was big. Cause I was also jumping distances, mm -hmm. um, 
but so, I mean, honestly, my training, so this was not all at once, but I don't even know if I would call it that I was doing mileage in college. Cause like as a 400 runner, you kind of like probably like 20 miles a week, like maybe. Yeah. Do you even track um, that? I mean, like, yeah, I like hadn't. So I was like, I don't know. I like went for a 20 minute run every now and then. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, I did an eight minute warm up. Was that good? Well, pretty good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right there. Um, but uh, so now I'm doing more like, in the fall, probably more like 55 to 60 mile weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, in a, let's see, a typical week, I'll do workouts like Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, so like that'll be anywhere from like tempo work, um, especially in the fall. It's a lot of tempo, a lot of mile repeats. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some like uh, like strength endurance. So like you know, like six by a K is like mm-hmm. a common one to come up during the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of hill sprints. Um, and then we also usually do one day, usually the day before the Friday. So like the Friday workout, um, we'll do like one fifties or two hundreds at like 800 race pace, mm-hmm. um, just to stay in touch with that. Yep. Um, I found I really can't get too far away from that. Like if I go too far, into the distance stuff I get feeling a little sluggish so mm-hmm. don't gotta, use it you'll lose it exactly you gotta keep that speed going <laughs> gotta, <laughs> gotta keep it um and then I'll do like a mid long run on Wednesdays so for me that's like eight miles and then 10 to 12 on Saturdays um wow. I take a day off every week um mm-hmm. the sprinter in me just like needs it <laughs> needs a minute yeah um and then on top of that, I'll do strength training two days a week and then core a couple other days too. So there's usually like something after practice that I'll do in the weight room, um, gotcha. like That's four, good. four days a week or so. Nice. So, nice. so yeah. because it is a little different than what you were doing in, in college, um, is, would you say that it's, uh, would you say it's higher intensity? Would you say it's it's much more difficult, or is it pretty comparable when it comes to the amount of effort that you're putting in? I think it's probably way way more. I think I've like lost perspective after a couple years of it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's normal. It's I think the it's new norm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which means I definitely wasn't probably training hard enough earlier. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, beats being burnt out and injured. Exactly, exactly. So I'm very grateful for that, actually. Um, glad to find this now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hindsight is 2020. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, and that being said, like I did hit. There was one season at the end of my first season, um, kind of under this new program. I did hit a point where. I had gone too far the other way. That's when we kind of found out, like, I can't just hammer for a really long time and then expect the 800 speed to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've definitely adjusted every single year. Uh, learned from the last year and kind of made made changes. But um, so there's been a couple low points that I've hit. Um, thankfully, never an injury, just like overtraining where you just like can't, you can't anymore. Yeah, just feeling <laughs> like, stale. Can't get out of bed. And then, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. So, um, 
let's dig into that whole concept a little bit more. So there's a there's some research that came out not too long ago showing that people who succeed in life, uh, like they don't get there unless they've traversed through some sort of serious failure. Right? So what would you consider some some failures or hardships or um, pitfalls, whatever the case may be, that allowed you to uh, to overcome and then be successful now? Yeah, I think, um, so, let's see. Can't say growing asparagus is a, yeah. a hardship. <laughs> <laughs> So I think I would go back to maybe like like five or six years ago when I was uh, I was running for the club team. Um, I was also working a full time job um, teaching, and so I was doing all of my training like in the evenings. So you'd be like go to a full day of work and then go try to run a workout. Mm-hmm. Um, That's tough. And it, I don't know, it wasn't a failure by any means, but it was, like, really hard, <laughs> like, mentally, yeah. I think I just, like, decided I was going to do it, mm-hmm. and I sometimes look back, and, like, I can't believe that I kept, I think maybe, because I, I feel like I have, like, so good now, where I get to wake up and, like, go straight to practice, and that's mm-hmm. incredible, you're, like, ready to go first thing in the morning, um, but looking back, I'm, like, kind of in awe that I kept just doing it and there wasn't there was like like definitely like glimmers of like you know a new PR or like I thought I was getting better maybe but it was sort of just like putting my head down and grinding and just like being like I don't know why I'm not giving up but I'm not giving up and I think there's some it's like I kind of knew there was something else in there Mm -hmm. um and I didn't know how to find it and so I just kind of kept doing the same thing which is that is a mistake to keep doing the same thing <laughs> that you're doing if it, mm-hmm. it's not working. Right. But I just was like, I've got to keep putting in the work because I know this isn't as, like, I know I can run the 800 faster than this and I know I can run it a lot faster than this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think going through that was, it, I mean, if mostly I think it just makes me appreciate now mm-hmm. um, the situation that I'm in, but also, uh, yeah, I think it kind of hardened me to, like, I'm okay doing workouts by myself. I'm okay, like, kind of talking myself through things when it's not going well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it made me a pretty independent athlete uh, and one who can kind of, like, problem solve for myself if I need to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Nice. I yeah, I think I people so. don't – most people don't understand, like, the – the drop in your time or a new PR or um, a breakthrough in weight loss or an increase in strength, like all of these adaptations, they take time and they take time to like really solidify, to really see the outcome, to see the, that result. Yeah. Sometimes you're, you've got to deal with a plateau for a long time and it might feel like you're just yeah. <laughs> hitting your head against the wall. Um, but if you stay the course, if you do the things you need to do, if you 
put in the effort and then, you know, get some appropriate rest and recovery and eat decently well and don't, you know, do things that sabotage your progress and <laughs> manage stress. Like the body can't stay still when it comes to an adept. Like it'll either adapt positively or it will regress and adapt negatively, but it can't just keep you where you're at. So if you put in that work, the outcome, the outcome will eventually <laughs> manifest, right? Like you'll eventually see the change. And yeah. that can be really tough when you're in a position where like you've got to train by yourself. And like, so when I was working in corporate fitness, like at a, at a club gym, if I didn't plan time in the day to train, to do a workout, and I just decided like, oh, I'll wait till I get off work. If I did that, then I'd finish work. And I'd be like, ah, I'm tired. I've been on my feet all day. You know what? It would probably be better if I went <laughs> home and went to sleep. Like, it's so easy to do that. So it's really tough. Like, pe- waiting till the end of the day when it's your job, like, that's – it can be really tough. It's not just as simple as, oh, okay, I'm going to go do – I'm going to go do my, my other thing now. Like, right. So – that's pretty – that says a lot about you that you were like, no, I'm just – I'm going to do it. I have to do it. And if I'm doing it by myself, then I'm doing it by myself, but I'm going to do it anyway. So do you get to train with other people more now or is it still yes, kind of – Yeah, I do, and this is huge. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so when I uh, first joined the, the team that I'm on now, I um, wasn't – by myself it was mostly distance runners like 10k marathon um there's another woman helen who runs the mile um crazy fast miler (laughs) and so we would get to line up every now and then for workouts um but it wasn't like a constant a constant buddy um but just this year we had um a new 800 girl just move here from colorado um and so, yeah, she moved November 1st. So since then, we've done pretty much every workout together, like including long runs and like like tempos, long runs, all of that, all of that jazz. So that's nice. made a huge difference. Super fun. For sure. Yeah, you get that. And kind of, kind of luxurious, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After <For sure>. like <laughs> the solo grind. Yeah, that's nice. That's like... Oh, it's, you can, not that you can mentally check out, but you like, you're a little more mentally fresh because you don't have to yeah. grind every single time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and we kind of, we always joke that like, if we have like, you know, six by a K, we're like, it's really three by a K. Cause like, you'll take half it. of them. I'll yeah. take half of them. <laughs> <laughs> mentally it's, it cuts everything in yeah. half. Yeah. And then we're like, yeah, really just like one of us needs to have a good day. Like, because <laughs> then you can kind of drag the other person yeah, the other person along, just so. like grab on to you. It's yeah. fine. It's yeah. fine. Just coast. Yeah. Coast behind you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Players. Drafting. So yes. Exactly. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, yeah, that's pretty cool though. Um, I, I, 
progressed the most when I was training with other people. Like in high school, like there was nobody really for me to train with. Like when it came to the 800, like yeah, was, if I wanted to get better, I was gonna have to go out and do stuff on my own. So. Uh, so nice in college to have people to train with. And when I really progressed, it was when I was training with people who were faster than me. So that's super beneficial to have somebody else who's like right in the mix with you, who can pull you along if you're having a bad (laughs) Exactly. Okay, just tuck in behind me and just (laughs) hang on. Yeah. Because... Next week, when I need it, you're going to have to swap out and do this for me. So that's always cool. Yeah. All right. So tell us, uh, um, so how long have you been competing, quote unquote, professionally? Not just how long have you been with Saucony? Oh, um, let's see. I mean, really since... Like, right, I took a little time off after college when I was, like, my first, like, probably, like, three years after college. I was kind of, like, ho-humming my way around. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so that would have been, that was 20. So, yeah, probably, like, 10 years. (laughs) You've been pro for 10 years. Well, like, at very, like, I was, like, with the club for a while. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but, like, continuing to compete train yeah gotcha yeah so yeah what kind of meets do you get to attend as a pro um so now let's see so like last spring um I went down to Nashville for I opened up my season down there um there's like the music city distance classic down there Nice. Which was fun. Um, there's like a whole series of meets here on the East Coast. Um, I raced down in D.C. There was one down in Princeton. Um, and then I think one of the most fun ones was out in California. Um, there there was just one meet, but this year they're making it a whole tour. It's called the Sunset Tour. Mm. Um, and that was super fun. It was out in L.A. Nice. Uh, and then last winter, I got to go to Indoor USA's, um, which was fun. Unfortunately, I was really sick, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was unfortunate. You made it. It was unfortunate timing, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so how does, how does one qualify for, for the national meet? So there's just a time standard. There's the automatic time. So uh, last winter, it was actually a 600 indoors instead of an eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's just the automatic qualifying time, um, which I ran under actually pretty early on. So that was really good because um, I got sick for a couple months. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. But uh, uh, they also take – they usually – depending on which event you're in, I'll take like the top 24, the top 32 from the U S. Um, so you'll either like all the auto qualifiers will go and then they'll just fill in to fill out the heats with the next spots. Just so it's a full field. I'm a little, yes, exactly. (laughs) So I've got a little bit of fire under me this year because I 
they take 32 in the 800. And I was in, my time would have been number 33 so, to outdoor USA. So I've got a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Well, that's so, motivation. Yeah. The fire was lit last July. Yeah. So. Good. That's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you need that kind of exactly. motivation. That, okay. I'm not, not having it this year. So. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a, there was a dude on my track team who I think he had hit uh, the regional qualifying mark for for the Christian Nationals meet, but he hadn't hit the auto mark. Okay. Right? So <laughs> in order and he was a triple jumper, okay? His PR was shorter than the length of the like the distance of the runway. Like he had to PR in order to land in the sand. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. So talk about motivation. Like, you you want to land not in the sand, or you want to land in the sand? You better jump really far today. So sometimes that's the kind of motivation that you need to, you know. Exactly. For him, like, it was just like, all right, I'm either going to do it or I'm not. I'm going to break both ankles today, maybe. I don't know. Right. So it's nice that you have a little time to, you know, to prep beforehand. Like, you, you kind of know going in, like, all right, here's here's the standard, here's what's going on. Yeah. I either gotta, gotta do it or, you know. Yeah. Throw a piano on somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recommend doing that. Yeah. Be a new one. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, um, tell us a little bit about uh, how you get the most out of your training like when it comes to like everybody knows you have to apply the stressor right you've got to put in mm -hmm. the training so how do you get the most adaptation out of that like when it comes to uh, nutrition you said you do some strength training you do some core what other uh training modalities or recovery modalities do you do you use yeah um, so yeah, we do a lot of work on just like injury prevention stuff. So a lot of that like core work, um, is just, uh, yeah. So we don't get hurt. <laughs> um, also we do a lot of like stability stuff, just working on like all those little stabilizers, like in your ankle and like all of that, that can just lead to little niggles that pop up during the year. Um, so thankfully, I mean, I'm like maybe to a fault, like, really on making sure I get all of that in <laughs> like I'll do it like if it's like 2 a.m and that's the only time I have to do it like <laughs> maybe not but um uh <laughs> but I will like I'll like plan it so I make sure I do it I make it a, a big priority mm -hmm. um I um let's see I do sleep a lot I sleep like nine hours every night and then that's good <laughs> honestly take a nap like I could probably count on hand like the times I haven't taken a nap since like September yeah. <laughs> so um just in the middle That's of these yeah I'll like come home eat lunch and then just like pass out <laughs> sometimes it's just like 15 minutes sometimes it's an hour and a half it depends on <laughs> what went down that day <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but um, I do prioritize that a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then with uh, nutrition, I usually I just find that just making sure I'm eating enough is the key. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like easy. I'm hungry all the time. But um, yeah, I'll like eat a, like a small breakfast before training, like I found like oatmeal sits in my stomach really well. So that's great. Mm-hmm. I always try to eat a snack like immediately after. Mm-hmm. Um, and then honestly, like just snacking has helped a lot. Like during, like throughout the afternoon, just like making sure I'm like constantly refueling. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, Tim, my husband and I, we usually like plan our meals for the week mm-hmm. on like Saturday or whatever. And so we'll, we'll make sure to plan meals to kind of like check all the boxes for getting what you need where I'm not like crazy about it mm-hmm. just like you know am I eating enough getting yes. enough protein am I like eating plenty of vegetables like I'm a huge believer in just like I think you can get everything you need from the food you eat mm-hmm. um and so you know just trying to make sure I yeah check all those boxes but other than that honestly I just like eat all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> like all well, day every day when you're training that intensely, when you're putting in a ton of mileage, like like you said, uh, how much mileage you say you're doing in the fall? Like 50, like, to, 50 to 60? Yeah. Yeah, that's about how much mileage I could handle in college. And I was always hungry. Like I, Yes. <laughs> like, you get full, and then five minutes later, you're hungry again. Like. Yeah, I know. I'm always fascinated. Like, I, I always... Uh... It's nice, like, being around other athletes because, like, no one thinks you're weird. But, like, when I'm just, like, hanging out with some of my other friends, they're like, Jess, are you okay? Because I'm just, like, starving down at me. I'm hungry. Leave me alone. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Lay off me. I'm starving. What did you do this morning? (laughs) No, I remember remember leaving the cafeteria after practice, you know, go eat walk back to my dorm room and then as soon as I like open my door I'm like oh pretzels <laughs> like I got my pretzels I got my trail mix I'm like I am starving already I just stuffed my face <laughs> I know. but like like your body you're emptying the gas tank yeah every like yeah. So you're, you're like trying to refill it as much as you can at meals and then with all those snacks, you're just like, all right, top it off, top it off. Yeah. Like, like you'll you replenish glycogen stores better that way anyway than trying to like do it all in one meal. Like if you can yeah. you can get as much as you can in the meal and then continue to top off the tank. Like that's the best way to do it. That's the least amount of stress on on your body when it comes to you know refueling, and then it's just more efficient that way. So I think that's good do you do you track your food intake do you weigh yourself how do you how do you make sure you're eating enough um honestly I just eat when I'm hungry which is like a lot but um yeah yeah, I don't really track what I eat I think unless I hit like like a something like with my training gets really goofy and I'm like, okay, am I getting in a fire and am I getting it? Like, is something up with that? Like that's the first place I'll go usually. Uh-huh. Um, but I really don't track. Yeah, just kind of like you yeah. keeping track enough of your training that you can see if something's off, 
Yeah. Make adjustments. Gotcha. Yeah. I think also I, like, I found my body will, like, naturally crave stuff if I'm missing it, which is kind of weird. But, like, yeah. yeah. I kind of know what to, if I'm, like, feeling extra tired, um, I sort of know, like, okay, like, eat a steak. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Get that iron. (laughs) Get that protein. (laughs) For sure. Gotcha. Do you... Um, do you try to, like, do you eat specific things before you train, before you race? Like, is it all the same or, or is it kind of just like, yeah, whatever, you're pretty flexible about it? Um, I tend to eat the same stuff just because, uh, I feel like once you find something that works, it's better not to mess with it like I always eat before I train I always eat oatmeal with peanut butter um and then depending on the the tricky thing is like evening races I think they're fun because I think there's more excitement like being under the lights and like all of that the energy is cool but Mm -hmm. I hate waiting around all day first of all and second of all like trying to figure out like how often like you want enough but then you don't want to feel like full and like all this stuff um, so I think getting used to racing evening meets has been the hardest for me, but I've kind of found that like, I weirdly like feel pretty good if I eat like rice and then like some form of protein before, mm-hmm. um, for those later meets. Um, I should try to keep it pretty like bland and basic. Just... Yeah. <laughs> Not going to eat like some Indian food right before you no. Something with a lot of spices. And... After that. <laughs> After. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Reward yourself <laughs> with some flavor. Always. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's that's wise. It it cracks me up how different everyone is when it comes to not only their diet but eating before a meet or before training. Like there was a dude on my team who he couldn't eat anything within a four hour window before racing. Whoa. Four I would hours. just like fall over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No but like if he ate anything within that four hour window, it was coming back up. So <laughs> so if we had like cross country, we'd have like an 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. race. He'd wake up at like 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock to eat something. And then he'd go back to bed and then he'd wake up whenever we had to. But I was just like, dude. I would eat something two hours beforehand. Yeah. And, and then usually, like, a power bar or, or I'd eat something else usually within an hour. Yeah. Forty-five minutes to an hour beforehand. And, yeah, that's usually my time time frame. <laughs> and I, I always felt great doing doing that. I never had any upset stomach. Unfortunate situation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, it's just, everybody's different. So, you know, so, so to be a better competitor, to be a better athlete, what are, what are things that you spend time doing? Like, do, do you read sports psychology books? Do you read or, or like, what do you, what do you focus on learning outside of just training? Um, 
You know, I've tried reading sports psychology books, and sometimes they're helpful. <laughs> sometimes they just make me nervous. Like, <laughs> or like, or like other athletes, like their memoirs or things like that. Like, I think I tried reading uh, Dina Castor's uh, her book, and honestly, I got about halfway through it. And it was like right before indoor season started and I had to stop because I was like all the, I mean, it, I think it's, it uh, speaks maybe to her writing, but it like put me too much in the situation of like the pre-race nerves and I couldn't deal with it. So I was like, this, I'm on vacation. Like what is going on? I'm like Freaking on out. a flight home for Christmas or something trying to read this book. Like and I was just probably like sweating, getting really anxious. Poor people next to me probably. So, um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think also I had a lot of, uh, I read a lot of that also with music, just the, I think it's a lot of the same stuff that people deal with mentally when it comes to, it's performance stuff, performance anxiety, dealing mm. with the mental side of things mm. um, and like learning how to break through barriers in your mind as much as you do with your body. And uh, so sometimes I think that, can be helpful. I haven't found any particular books to like really help me besides making me upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, too real. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I like to actually read, I'm, I'm the same way with music too. Like I don't listen, everyone thinks I listen to like only classical music, but like, honestly, this is like bluegrass. Like when, <laughs> when I'm not Some playing. Banjo, banjo uh, music. Yes, exactly. Um, and I think same thing with running. When I'm not running, I'd prefer to read read other things. Actually, I was reading um, A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson, which is just, like, hysterical. Like, it's just, like, his, like, recollections of walking the Appalachian Trail and, like, all the weird the weird people he comes into <laughs> contact with, which, like, there's some crazies out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and I find that way more relaxing um, and interesting. It's just something I'm not doing the rest of the time. So gotcha. I like to, yeah, keep it keep it a little lighter in that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes that's good to, like, not be so immersed in your sport or in, you know, that mindset all the time. Sometimes it's way healthier to, like, yeah. <laughs> find Chill. other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Things that don't elevate your uh, blood pressure and pulse. Exactly. I was like, I did that this morning. So like, <laughs> time to recover. Exactly. Your sympathetic nervous system's like, uh, what do you want me to do here? Yeah. I'm not moving, but that's crazy. So awesome. Well, this has been really, really cool. I'm so glad we got to do this. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your. Uh, your upcoming season, either indoor or outdoor. <laughs> Whoops, a day, <laughs> Okay, I'm back. Are you okay? I'm fine. The phone fell, you didn't. Yes, yes, I'm all good. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it here on the Ashley Packers podcast. How we roll. Did you hear my um, Oh, sorry. You want to, yes, you want to know about my season? <laughs> yeah, your, your upcoming season. <laughs> when I season. threw my phone down? Okay. Um, We're not going to talk about this, Kevin. Exactly. Yeah. 
yeah. So I, I think this season is going to be a little different than previous ones just because it's um, it's an Olympics trial Olympics trials year, um, and so uh, the main goal is being ready to go by early June to try to get a qualifier um, for that. So indoor is not as big of a priority, um, but we are actually headed to uh, Flagstaff, Arizona for the month of January to train at altitude. Nice. And then um, I'll come back to Boston and probably just race maybe two or three times. Um, hopefully get the qualify for Indoor USAs. If not, that's not a huge, like it's not the main goal this year. So um, would love to get that along the way. But if not, it's, it's a it's more important yeah. thing. Yes, exactly. So uh, that's that. And then um, we'll really ramp up. Uh, usually it's like almost, it feels very much like two separate seasons, indoors and out. Mm-hmm. But I think we'll sort of just continue on, um, take a little downtime and then ramp up to be racing pretty hard by May and gotcha. June. So, Sweet. So yeah. what are some meets that, uh, that we can follow you, that we can watch you compete um honestly outdoor season is still way up in the air <laughs> haven't planned that out yet mm-hmm. um i'll be uh probably just racing a couple meets here in boston um if i actually i don't have a return ticket from flagstaff yet <laughs> nice. so i will you might just possibly... move there. <laughs> exactly i don't know if i'm coming back um I think I will. I think I'll want to breathe again, so I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think the 24th of January is, like, potentially my first race, um, and that's that's just a meet here at Boston University. Um, and then I think two weeks later, there's another meet, the Valentine Invite. Um, that'll be pretty fast as well. So those are the only two on the calendar right now, but it's – usually pretty up in the air until the season really gets going mm-hmm. um, when you kind of see who's going to be at which races and if right. I'm going to travel at all or stay I think I'll probably mostly just stay local for indoors mm-hmm. and then um indoor USAs are out in Albuquerque so we'll see <laughs> yeah yeah uh, Possibly. that's some altitude up there it's funny yeah um, the episode that I just posted this morning was with a guy that I ran with in high school and college and we did junior olympic cross-country nationals in albuquerque and he he was like way way faster than me but i smoked him at that race because he couldn't deal with it couldn't deal with that lack of yeah i raced indoor usa's was there i think three years ago and i raced a 600 which I think I was, like, hoping it wouldn't affect me, but it really just starts to, like, hit you after about a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have to deal with it long, but I've never hit a wall the way I have after the 400-meter mark there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it just kind of feels like you get hit with a ton of bricks in your chest, and, mm-hmm. like, you, there's no getting back up from it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're done. You might as well start smoking. Like, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Can't breathe. Might as well. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> go buy a cigarette. pack of cigarettes. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's crazy so that's awesome well I will definitely be checking up on the results and watching when I can so um, 
It's good stuff. So how can anybody watching or listening follow you like on Instagram or Twitter or any other social media? Yeah. So I have uh, Instagram and it's uh, a little weird. <laughs> uh, okay. Stuart the Adventure Piano, because my <laughs> my piano's name is Stuart. Okay. And it like started as kind of a joke account a few years ago, and then it kind of caught on, and my friends were like, "That's hilarious!" Now that you have to stay with it, mm. so now it's become my main account. Um, so yeah. Gotcha. So you can find me. <laughs> nice, awesome, sweet. So that's that's it, Stuart the Adventure go. Piano. <laughs> It's a good name. It's a good name for a piano. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What What type of adventures does uh, the Stuart participate in? Oh gosh, Stuart's crazy. So, Stu was in. A, oh, a, Stu. Uh, oh, good old Stu. Stu. So he's actually super old, Kanabi Grand. So it's like an old German piano, and um, he was in a church for a long time, and then one of my colleagues from grad school kind of inherited him from this church and then they were going to get a new piano so I kind of adopted Stu but I've, I've had a big problem with landlords in Boston being okay with me having a grand piano in an apartment because like Boston apartments are really tiny and like mostly it's staircases like it's old staircases old buildings that don't have elevators so you like can't really get a grand piano in them but I had, like, checked with my landlord and been, like, can I get this piano? And it, it wasn't going to – it was going to have to, like, come in through the fire escape, like, with a crane. And he was cool with it, but, like, his wife wasn't. <laughs> and so, so we – he ended up, like, living in, like, the basement. I, like, called around all these churches being, like, can you hold this piano for me until I can move? So then I, like, moved so I could have him. And then this last time we just moved in. September to a new apartment and we like ran into a snafu with a landlord again and so currently Sue's actually at my coach's house <laughs> in there so like I don't even it's, it's, it's crazy he's mostly just like at some point I'm gonna live in a place and he's gonna have a great little studio and it's gonna be awesome but until then he's lived a lot of places where I have not lived unfortunately yeah. well that's exciting <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> cool. So I like to uh, to close out all my podcasts, give my guests the opportunity to share any bits of wisdom that they may like to pass along. So is there anything you'd like to share with anyone watching or listening? Um, I think this year, I think part of it's come as I – like know that I only have so many years of running left. I know it's like kind of a joke that like I keep going and going and like my teammates call me grandma. Like it's like, a joke, <laughs> but it's like, but it's also a real thing. Um, at, at some point I know I'm not going to quite have the speed that I have right now. Um, mm. and so I think I just love this quote. I'm not sure. I think it was actually like a, uh, he's an entrepreneur of some sort or something. I'm not really sure, but um, someone shared this quote with me once that that was just the most dangerous of all is spending your life, not doing what you want on the bet that you can buy yourself the freedom to do it later. Mm. And I think I really 
I don't, he wasn't talking about being an athlete, but um, I think just in general, that's the way I'm approaching my training right now. I think at this point, I feel like I have nothing to lose. Um, and I don't know what I have left in me, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to find out this year. Um, and kind of, I think as it, as it comes down to like knowing that you, you might be almost done getting better at at a sport, um, or putting yourself into it to get better. Mm Um, I think just like the weight of that this year is not something I'm like scared of, but I think it's something I, I don't, that I definitely think about frequently. Um, and when I'm like grinding through workouts and stuff, it's, yeah. It's there. Yep. In the back of of your mind or the front of your mind. That's right. Yeah, it's there. That's cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jess. It's been good to catch up with you and yes, same. hopefully, hopefully I'll run into you at some point at some family gathering and I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> if you need a workout partner, look somewhere Perfect. else. I, yeah. No, I, I'm not doing it. <laughs> you can get Trent to run with you. you yes. My neck. Maybe. So awesome. Alrighty, y'all. Well, thank you so much for watching and listening and stay tuned to the next episode. Adios.